I made a few promises to a couple of you guys that I would not get as loud as what I did on the radio Saturday night or Friday night. I called the last second shot and got a little bit out of hand. But um, I promise I won't get that loud this morning. But uh, one thing I am going to get that I was Friday night is excited. Because I don't see any reason why we can't get as excited for this story and for what we're going to celebrate than what we got excited for that ball game on Friday night. This, this, this news that is brought to us here in Matthew in the Gospels is so just peaceful. It's so exciting. It's so, I can't even put it into words, what it, what, how it makes me feel. Because what we're going to be reading this morning is our main scripture tells us why we're here. It tells us why, it tells us why we're going where we're going. It is a definition of what true love means. You know, I, I, I'm listening to, if you just, when we're singing our songs, I don't know sometimes if you just sit there and you just sing, or if you sit there and you really think about what you're singing. And every Christmas song that we sing, you know, it seems like every year we just sing the same Christmas songs over and over again, but they still are powerful and they still mean so much because the words are telling of a baby who was born that ultimately came and saved our lives. So this morning, our verse is Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now, Lord, and we just thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for this specific uh, verses right here, Lord, because it tells you, it tells us what you did. Lord, you made a promise and you felt and you fulfilled that promise on this day when you uh, conceived, when Mary conceived that little baby. Lord, I just pray this morning as we, as we dig into, these, uh, into your scripture and we dig into your word, Lord, I ask that your love just be so evident, Lord, that we are just amazed. Lord, I pray right now that as, as we begin here, Lord, I pray that you empty me of myself. Fill me up with your spirit, Father God, to deliver the message of love that you have for us. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I titled this sermon, The Greatest Gift Ever. You know, when I think of Christmas, the first thing that comes to my mind, what do we do on Christmas? You go and get gifts. That's just what a lot of people do. I, unfortunately, still have to go get gifts for some people, but, you know, that's just how it goes, the hustle and bustle of the season. But you think about that, and you think about um, when you're getting a gift for somebody, how excited you are to get them something. You know that they've been wanting this for a long time or that they need this, so you go out and you search and search and search, and then you finally find what, you, what they want. And you get it, and you wrap it up, and yeah, it, becomes, it kind of becomes a little bit of a hassle sometimes to go out, and then you have to wrap the present, and then you have to bring it there. But it all comes full circle whenever you hand them that gift, they unwrap it, and the look on their face is just full of enjoyment. 
You know, we think about gifts, and I know some people are saying, well, that's not what Christmas is about. And I know that's definitely not what Christmas is about. But if you think about the gift exchange of Christmas and the perfect picture that it paints of what God did for us, he saw a need that us as humans needed. He saw it. He saw that without this need, we could not go on. We could not conquer the world on our own. That ultimately, if he did not give us this gift, we would spend eternity in hell. So God gets so excited about this. He goes out and he says, you know what? I've got the perfect gift for him. I'm going to give him my son. And then once you come to, and then think about this, when, you, when all of us have come to that, that realization of what God had done for us and what God has actually sent to us, you can think back to that moment where it finally clicked in your head that the gospel is exactly what you needed. The, the, the joy that filled you up, the peace that filled you up, that void in your heart that you had felt your entire life had been filled. Your biggest need was taken care of. But unlike gifts that we give out here today, most of these gifts go away. I can remember one of the most exciting gifts that I ever got as a kid. I, I was obsessed with Toy Story. Obsessed. And you can tell me right now, when Toy Story 4 comes out, I'll be the first one in line at the theaters as a 24-year-old man. But I wanted a Buzz Lightyear spaceship. That was like the coolest toy when I was little. And I remember mom and dad, of course, being the great parents that they are, got me a Buzz Lightyear spaceship. And I played with that thing, and I loved that thing. And it was a couple years ago, we were over at Grandma Fortune Trooper's house, and I went down in the basement, and I went down there, and there was that Buzz Lightyear spaceship with uh, stickers on it, with marker all over it. One of the wings was broke off. That's just what happens, right? We get gifts, and they bring us this ultimate uh, enjoyment at first, but then ultimately they fall, and they, they break, or they tear up, and that's how most gifts are. But this gift that God has given us lasts for eternity. And this gift is never going to wear out. It's something we can always use. And guess what? It's the gift that keeps on giving because we can receive that gift and we can give it to others. And I hope this morning as I go through this and we're going to look at God's act of love for us, Christ's act of love, and how we respond in our act of love to others. It should spurn us to love one another. And ultimately, we can get the greatest gift ever. But if you go in, I'm going to dive into the scripture. It talks about in uh, verse, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. So what is he talking about here, Josh? What, what, is, what do they mean? What, when did Jesus say this to the prophet? If you turn with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. We have King Ahaz, and he is uh, in a bad time. They're in a bad time right now. Um, the, the, the war was going on, and uh, two countries had just joined together, and they were going to be going against uh, Judah, and the king was just completely just defeated. Okay, his descendants of David, and, and, and here comes King Azaz, and he's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and God comes to him and says this, said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God says this to King Azah back in Isaiah. This is way before Jesus had ever come on the scene. He tells him this. He says, listen, he will give a son and he will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
As soon as the king heard this, as soon as the people of Judah heard this, they were completely at peace. They didn't know when this, when this uh, virgin was going to conceive this birth, but they knew that God had given them a prophecy. God had given them a promise. He says, listen, I've got it. Trust in me. Not in the circumstances that you're in, but trust in me. For I will ultimately take care of this. You don't have to fear. And we're going to talk about that fear here in a second. But it talks about how God delivered on his promise. John 3.16, we just saw right there. This is when God comes through on his promise. It says, just like Kyra says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in this moment... In this moment, right here, in Matthew, when he says that uh, Mary conceived a son and they called him Emmanuel, in that moment, God fulfilled his promise. Now, I want you to think about that word promise for a second. What, is, when, what, do, we, what do we think of the word promise? It's when we, if we love somebody, we tell them, I promise I'll do that for you. Okay? I promise. But how many of us hold, through, hold true to our promises all the time? And the thing is, whenever we don't hold through on our promises, what eventually happens to the relationship that we have with the person that we keep promising things to, that we keep falling short on? The relationship begins to fall apart. Your word becomes nothing anymore. They kind of question whether you really love them or not because you're promising them all these great things, but you never follow through on them. Ultimately, that's what human love is. It's, it's, it's something where we want to do good, but ultimately we forget, we get wrapped up in our busy lives, something else happens, so we don't want to promise that anymore, but our word can sometimes mean absolutely nothing. But this shows this, this when, Christ, when God promised this back in Isaiah and he fulfills it into the Gospels, Hundred years later, he fills us into the gospel. He fulfills that promise. He's showing us what his true love is. Because whatever God says, God is going to do. If you believe this morning that this word of God right here is 100% true, then you believe in God. God is telling us, he promises us so much in this Bible that it's telling us, listen, don't worry. Don't worry. I have it. What a love that we have with a God that tells us we don't have to fear anything. If you look back to uh, what Alex read in the call to worship, it says there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. We no longer have to fear. But it's perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you believe the word of God this morning? Do you believe the promises that God has sent? When God sent this promise, I love the analogy, and I think I've said it up here before, but I love the analogy, if you've never heard it, that David Platt uses to describe the love that God has for us. And it's about sending his son. Think about this. If, if, if you're in love with somebody, you're just madly in love with them, and you want to marry them, do you send one of your best friends to go tell the person that you're in love with that you want to marry them? Do you send your best friend to do that? Do you send some random stranger to go say, hey, go ask that girl over there if she'll marry me? Sounds ridiculous. 
Because why? Because one, because it's a personal feeling for you. You feel so deeply in love with that person. You want to be the one that tells them and you want to be the one that delivers that message of love. And it's the same thing with God in this sense. God could have sent the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He could have sent that message to anybody. He could have sent that to a prophet to go tell the king, hey, the Savior is coming. But no, God decided that he himself was going to deliver the message. And then he himself came down to earth to put through that promise that he made. God, God himself, living in heaven, which is perfect, came down to this wretched earth to tell us how much he loves you. That blows my mind that he would do that. But that's that personal relationship that he wants with you. That's that personal love that he wants to share with each and every one of us on a very, very personal level. The second part we talk about is Christ's love. Christ's love. Do we fully understand how much Christ loved us this morning? We're going to watch a video here in a second that's going to fully bring out what that love truly means. And it's a love that Christ shows that he doesn't care if we failed him a million times. He doesn't care what sin you're in right now. He doesn't care how many times you have sinned against him, sinned against your brother or sister. What he says is, I love you. And when he says that, he says that because of what he did when he came to earth. He came to earth and he died for our sins. It's a love that goes beyond anything that we've ever imagined before in our entire lives. Because here on earth, human love can only go so far. If we do somebody wrong, that love can be diminished. You double cross me, I'm sorry, I just don't like you. Is that our attitude a lot of times? It's hard to love those that do wrong against us. It says in 1 John 4.18, 1 John 4.18, you got that, Daryl? 1 John 4.18, it's our call to worship today. 4.18, Daryl. Yeah, but I can pull it up here. There it is. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears... Do we understand that that fear that he's talking about is a fear that we no longer have to have because of what Christ did for us? That punishment, the word punishment there, it says has to do with punishment. We don't have to live our lives scared of what's going to happen after death. We don't have to. We don't have to live in fear because of love that was shown to us. I'm going to show you a video In this video, I tear up every time I watch it because it shows a story of a man who we would consider one of the most wretched, sinful men ever from what we read about him. And it's going to be a story about Jesus, and it's going to be a story about Barabbas. And if you don't know who Barabbas is, Barabbas is the man that stood next to Jesus with Pilate, and Pilate gave the crowd an opportunity to choose to set Jesus free or to set Barabbas free. And they choose Barabbas. And in that story, Christ's love 
God's love for us is shown tremendously. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment... Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner. A man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus? What has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up from his chains and shackles and he walks down the platform welcomed by all of his thug friends yeah the people love me yeah that's right i don't even know who this jesus guy is but all i know is my people love me there seems to be no conscience of barabbas there's no record of him turning to jesus and saying i owe you everything now or you have set me free no i don't see any of that in barabbas and god knew that jesus stood there silent for he knew the will of the father he said it's fine father let him have barabbas for jesus knew that the father would have to treat jesus like barabbas so he could treat barabbas like jesus barabbas thought it was the people that set him free no 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 it was the love of the heavenly father
and the nerve to call on the audacity of believers to think. I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. God, I, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high? so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, when I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus, 
It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. The greatest gift ever. I stand before you guys this morning. Just blown away that I can go into this Christmas season knowing that I received that. Knowing that no matter how many times I fall short, no matter how many times I've sinned, no matter how many times I've turned my back to God. And there's nothing that I can do. There's There's no power within me that can defeat my sin inside. There's no power within me that can, that can storm through the gates of hell and overcome it. But it is me turning to my God, who's sitting there with love so vast that he can pick me up and say, let's do this together. How do we respond to that video? This Christmas... This upcoming year, rest of our lives, we need to show this kind of love to everybody we come into contact with. We need to speak the love of God to others. We need to show the love of God to others. We need to experience this love of God with others. And we as humans, we as people here today, biggest problem that we have is we need to accept the love of God. I want to talk about the greatest gift ever. It's at your footsteps right now. He's sitting there right now calling you by name with this gift that we just watched, this gift of forgiveness, this gift of love, this gift of hope, this gift of peace, this gift of every Advent season that we've had here this month. Everything wrapped up into one. He has that gift for you right now. He said, here you go. Take it. You may be Barabbas. You may be a Peter. It doesn't matter who you are. He's given that gift to all of us. This morning, one point that I want to point out is that because we have this love that is shown to us, and it says it in 1 John 4, 19, Alex read it and we showed it on the call to worship, but it says we love because he first loved us. This season of love, this, this, this emotion of love that we are supposed to show to other people, there is no possible way that we could show love to our brothers and sisters unless God has loved us first. And God cannot love us first until we sit there and we accept the love that God is giving to us this morning. It's time that we stop fighting and trying to shake these chains off and we stop fighting against the sin that we cannot beat on our own and it's time to sit there, open up the gift and be changed for a lifetime. And I'm telling you right now, if you accept that gift this morning, 
If you accept the love of God this morning, you will never be disappointed. You will always find that no matter what is going wrong here on earth, that God is constant. He will always love you until the very end. And then once the end comes, he's going to love you even more in eternity. So this morning, I just want us all to close our eyes. I just want us all to close our eyes. And I don't know where you're coming from this morning. I don't know if you're struggling with a certain sin, if uh, you're struggling with a certain person in your life, if your marriage is struggling, if you're struggling at work. I don't know where we come this morning. But what I want us to do right now is I just want us to picture in our minds God taking that burden from us. He's just, just picture him saying, I've got it. Taking it from us. And he takes it and he sits it behind him. And then he reaches back and he grabs that present. It's that gift of love. And I just want you to, I just want you to picture yourself reaching out and grabbing that gift. Opening it up and being changed forever. If you've never accepted that love of Jesus this morning, if you've never accepted that love, and you want to accept that love today, that love that was, that was given to us in the form of a baby over 2,000 years ago, if you want to accept that love this morning, and maybe you've already said you've been saved or you've accepted that, but you don't feel it, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to accept that love this morning. Awesome. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I just come to you. Lord, we come to you humbled servants, Father God, because we know that on our own and on our own strength, we cannot do anything that you have asked us to do. Lord, that we come and we see that we are struggling with the sin of our lives and we're struggling with the, the, the burdens that this world just weighs down upon us. Lord, I pray that as we come forward to you this morning, that we come with our knees down, our hands up, and we're looking to you saying, Father, help us. For we need your love. We need you. And we're done making this walk on our own. Lord, you, we, we are ready to give our lives to you this morning. And we're ready to give you our lives because you have given us of your son. Lord, I pray this morning that the individuals that have raised their hands, Father God, Lord, I pray that you come to them, Father God, and you come into their hearts that you touch their hearts and you show them the love that we've talked about, the love that is poured all over this book, the love that is so evident in this Christmas season. Lord, I ask that they accept that love and that you show them that love and that you let them know that, listen, you may have screwed up, but I don't care because I love you.
Continue to allow us to accept that love and to show that love to others, Father God, through action, through word, through deed, through anything that we do. We show your love. In Jesus' name we pray.